He's Craig. I'm John. Our first COVID-19 argument in a long time. Out of our system now. And you know what? There's a lot of things we can agree on. A lot of things that the pandemic and quarantining has forced us personally in our lives, also in a lot of people's businesses. Craig, you kind of have to adapt, right? Figure out how to do things more efficiently and in different ways than you used to do them. And uh, you want a positive story to come out of this? Let's go up to Brookings, South Dakota State University. Justin Sell, the athletic director, joining us on the Tires, Tires, Tires fan line. And uh, every year they do a silent auction. They've been doing it for 40 years and to raise money for the athletic department because Division One sports certainly don't come cheap. And uh, Justin's been the AD now for 11 years there. And usually, I'm guessing this is a big gala somewhere in Brookings. A lot of uh, high rollers showing up and bidding and uh, you know having drinks. And it's a big night to raise money for a great cause, in this case, Feeding South Dakota, Justin. And obviously, you can't get together and do that. So you did it virtually, and you just sounded uh, boundlessly uh, thrilled when I was asking you about it before we put you back on the air. So thank you for joining us. And uh, go ahead and tell us how you guys adapted and succeeded. Well, I, yeah, I appreciate you having me on. It's always good to catch up with you guys. Um, yeah, I mean, it's you know one of those things in our business this spring. Uh, a lot of colleges and universities across the country do scholarship auctions for their student athletes, and uh, we've certainly done it for forty years. You know, uh, when I got here eleven years ago, we were making about seventy five thousand dollars on that event, and then uh, we got an anonymous donor to match every gift one for one for about five years, and then the last. Uh, this is our fourth year of having a two for one match. So every gift that comes in, if you give a thousand bucks, it's worth three. And, uh, and so this thing's taken off. The last three years, we've raised over a million dollars each year for athletic scholarships, which is the biggest in the country. Uh, um, so, you know, it's, it's got a huge impact. It's a quarter of our entire scholarship bill. And so here we sat five or six weeks ago and we're, we're like, all right, well, what do we do? Can, can we be sensitive to what's happening in our communities and still raise money? Should we postpone it? Should we cancel it? And uh, my staff is great. They came up with the idea to put on a, a virtual uh, YouTube live with some Zoom rooms and bring our fans together. And I think the cool thing was uh, we gave uh, people something to look forward to and create a positive experience. And uh, and then to be able to raise one one million seven hundred thirty-seven thousand uh, dollars in the evening, we added uh, the element to give to Feeding South Dakota. We raised three hundred seventy-two thousand dollars for them, and and then. Uh, high-need scholarships on our campus just to get kids back uh, this fall that are uh, struggling or parents are struggling. And uh, we raised $207,000 for that initiative as well. And then we purchased $14,000 plus of gift cards in town for restaurants for people to have a meal that night. And so we tied it all together. And uh, what a testament to our, our supporters and folks in South Dakota to try to make something big happen at a time that's certainly challenging for all of us. Just a point of clarity, you said that over a million dollars, is that uh, the separate entities that that you mentioned, the 370 for Feeding South Dakota, the 200K uh, that went elsewhere, is that taken out of the total of one million or, or were you left over with over one million for the athletic department alone? Yeah, we, we set a record this year with uh, 1,158,000 to go to athletic scholarships. Wow. So it yeah. was on top of. 
Well, and you had mentioned to us that the school will lose at least $1 million within the next year due to the uh, basically the pandemic, and that's if you have a full calendar year and full football season. So uh, we can't imagine, how, obviously, how far this, uh, this virtual online silent auction went on Friday and Saturday. He's Justin Sell, South Dakota State Athletic Director. It is Craig and John here on Fox Sports 98.1, AM 1230, KWSN.com. I'm John Gaskins with Craig Maddock. Hey, uh, Justin, which item was the uh, most popular over the weekend? Well, I, I thought it would have been golf with the AD, but uh, that, that was Whoa. pretty far down. <laughs> that, that was pretty far down the list. Um, uh, you know, we had a, a couple trips, one uh, out to Las Vegas for the uh, rodeo uh, nationals. Uh, that goes pretty big. I think it went over 6000 bucks. Uh we had a kid's playhouse that was built for us. I think that went over three. Um, we had a lot of items go in the three and $4,000 range. We had uh, some cornhole boards with South Dakota State logos that went for 3000 bucks, if you can believe that. Uh, so there were, there were some pretty, uh, pretty unique gifts. And then, honestly, a lot of people just donated straight uh, into the scholarship fund and had it tripled. So we had a lot of donors that did that and didn't, didn't even necessarily bid on an item, just wanted to donate to help us out. Justin Sell, uh, Director of Athletics, South Dakota State University, joining us here on Sports Talk with Craig and John, FM 98.1, AM 1230, and KWSN.com. Board of Regents late last week uh, said that all of the public universities uh, will be open this fall face-to-face learning in the fall of 2020. What have you told your coaches about that? <laughs> we actually had a, uh, every Monday morning, we have a, a call with our coaches and then followed up with a call with our staff. And, and so, uh, you know, I know, I know how their minds work. Uh, they're, pro- they're chomping at the bit, ready to go. And I think uh, probably many of them thought, all right, let's get this thing going. But you know, I, I just my, my message was uh, it, it's great that they called that out. It gives us a chance to start kind of regrouping and, and building, again, multiple plans because you just don't know how it's going to uh, transpire over the summer. And so um, I know we're going to do some things to make sure we're ready to go if that, uh, if that holds true. Uh, you know, I, I want to make sure our uh, student athletes and our coaches are in the best positions to be here and to be able to compete. But at the end of the day, it's also about their health and safety, number one. And we've got a lot of hurdles to cross to get there. But, uh, you know, we'll learn a lot more here in the coming weeks and months on our ability to do that and how safe we can do it. And then, you know, it's interesting to me in the last 10 days or so, you've really seen this kind of push to open up the economy a little bit or open up some of our businesses and look at uh, institutions of higher education and getting kids back on campus. But, you know, I think you also got to read kind of the sub story to that. Um, and, and the NCA put out a, a big deal on Friday regarding re-socialization of college sports. Um, and when you read through, there's three major steps in there. And then we've got to deal with our institution steps to come back. And, and so you've got to work through how do you safely do this and whether that's limiting uh, social distancing and spacing, whether that's taking people's temperatures, whether that's your cleaning uh, and how you're able to do that. I think it's funny. There's this kind of feel of its openness, but it's actually so restricted at this point. It's hard to get your mind around what it what it really will look like. And so we've got to kind of work through uh, each of those things and figure out how we might open a weight room or a athletic training room. And then how do you deal with potential fans coming back or just students on our campus? And 
we need the students to get back. I mean, that's a critical piece. If, if our students aren't back in full force, I think it's going to be hard to say we're going to be participating in athletics. It, th- there you go. There, that is where I was going next, because who's going to make the decision? Can't, can, is there any possibility, and this is just at your level at the FCS, for there to be athletic competition and therefore practicing uh, if, school, if, if schools are not uh, open? Yeah, I, I just I, I I find it really hard to see a scenario where you can do that. Now, if if we get to let's say mid July and we're still holding firm that it's going to be August twenty fourth and we're going to bring students back to campus and and we feel confident about that, then uh, you know do you look at bringing your fall sports back more on a regular time uh, around the first of August uh, and allow those uh, kids to get acclimated and and maybe it's a good uh, practice process to see if how we handle that and, and how the institution might be able to handle it. But, you know, until that determination's made where students are actually going to be on this campus and, and doing their regular activities, um, you know, uh, that'll be part of plan A uh, if, we can, if we can do that. And if not, then we got to work to plan B probably pretty quick. I think that's a, a high hurdle for us. Uh, to be able to participate. It appears the conferences in FBS decide when and if their teams are going to play. And there is a plausible scenario where the SEC might be playing a bunch of games, but uh, Pac-12 might not be. Different sort of mindset maybe uh, or in that league or perhaps the Big Ten. Uh, but with the FCS, who, de- who determines ultimately in the FCS? Does the NCAA determine this? Or is it is it is it sheer is it sheer uh, the education systems themselves? Yeah, I think you know it's it's going to be interesting, uh, and and I appreciate the question. I mean, there's so many nuances in this. Uh, just a week ago, we were talking about you know the entire summer, and hopefully we could find a way to get back a, a reasonable time, uh, and and that you know really the NCA would look at trying to level the playing field as much as possible, knowing that different institutions or different states or different regions of the country might be in different places with COVID-19, which means some might be ready to go while others are waiting. And you worry about competitive advantage and disadvantage and some of those things. And then here in the last, probably towards the end of last week, there was definitely the shift of, well, if we can find ways to be ready and we can do it safely, um, there might be opportunities for some people to move forward maybe a little bit quicker. And, and if that's by level or by conference, I think for us at the FCS level, how we'll try to probably normalize that a little bit is within each conference and trying to keep it as, as balanced as you can. And football provides a little different challenge just because the bowl system obviously is outside uh, of the NCAA to a degree. And, uh, and so you know, how, how you deal with that when you're dealing with maybe a whole other set of uh, standards that you have for the rest of your sports. Um, you know, I, I think it's going to be awfully hard to treat football completely different than every other student athlete. Um, but the Power Five obviously need the football deal to go. And they so, need money, right? Is that it? Well, yeah, they're going to need, they're going to, I would just say this. They're going to put every effort into trying to find a way to play, and whether that's some sort of altered schedule in the fall or if that shifts uh, uh, to the middle or end of the year, I, I think all those options are probably on the table. And then I'm assuming, John, we would probably take a little bit of a cue from uh, those schools. I mean, obviously, many of us, we have Nebraska on our schedule this fall, um, you know, and, and so 
trying to figure out how, how they're deeming it safe and how they're able to acclimate their student athletes in a certain time period to make sure they're safe, uh, safe from COVID, but safe to participate, you know, and uh, I think there's just, it's going to be interesting over the next week or two as all of this conversation of opening up, all the conversation of planning to be ready to go um, continues to, that talk continues to gain steam. Justin, I know you're on the uh, Division One Council, and apparently is there a recommendation uh, not to approve the waiver rule that was uh, expected to be voted on? Can you tell us the latest on that, and is it a good uh, recommendation not to have the, the waiver rule, which would allow athletes to move from school to school for one year without losing a year of eligibility or waiting for a year of eligibility? Yeah, the, the way I would characterize it is, Instead of kind of changing the waiver process, so we're going to keep the current waiver process, and there's a NCA group that deals with that and a committee that takes appeals uh, that's made up of people in the membership. Um, they're going to continue to review those. I think for our group, it just got to the point of um, there are five sports that don't have the one-time transfer exception. And so um, instead of trying to do this through a waiver, we just decided to say let's, let's look at the entire rule and let's put it into play in our normal legislative process, which is uh, legislative bills kind of get put in in the system in November, and then we would vote on it in, in January. And it, it aligns very nicely with name, image, and likeness as well. We're kind of following the same uh, pattern with that. And I think it adds a little bit of stability and takes away maybe uh, some potential gamesmanship with the, the waiver issue and uh, roster management. I mean, if you put that in on August 1st, uh, you could conceivably have um, all kinds of kids uh, leaving uh, your institutions uh, with no real recourse to fill those spots. And so I think um, trying to get it right in total took precedent over trying to just change it uh, in the short term, which would have really been for a, a probably a fall and a winter. And so I think it, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Go, uh, Craig? No, uh, now, is uh, the vote in January, or you think this is a two-year before it is brought up again? No, I think what happened is the um, our Division One Council had, um, we had a seven-hour phone call a week ago Friday, and we basically uh, talked for a couple hours on the topic, and I think at the end of the day, uh, we asked the board of directors uh, to lift the moratorium that they had placed a year and a half ago on uh, transfer legislation. Um, you know, they wanted to take a pause and see all the work that we had done originally, kind of see how that how that played out, have maybe a little bit more data uh, before looking at um, uniformity, because that's really what was left is uh, uniformity for all sports, which uh, when you look at uniformity, there's two options. Everybody sits or everybody plays right away. And so I think We've got enough data. We've done a lot of work. We're pretty well prepared to have that conversation. And because we are and we're so far ahead of the game in that regard, it just made a lot more sense to go ahead and say, let's take care of this once and for all in the fall. And, and let's get the, the rules squared away to where, uh, where we think it needs to be. And then uh, we can get out of this uh, waiver process uh, and, and not use that kind of as a crutch, as an in-between um, when we don't know uh, the entire impact of what that waiver process would do. Uh, by, by the way, is it still back burner, the whole issue that was brought up uh, before you had these Division One Council meetings regarding the attempted moratorium by some conference commissioners to 
uh, keep schools like Augustana and St. Thomas from from applying for and, and moving into Division One for the next four years. Is that was that discussed at all recently? Yeah, so we we spent quite a bit of time talking about that on that call as well. Um, and I think uh, what I would say that there were so many elements that the it was the FBS kind of uh, group of five commissioners. Um, so not the Power Five and not FCS and one AAA. It's an in-between group like the MAC and the Mountain West and those conferences yeah. that had asked for quite a few waivers in regards to uh, sport participation and, um, you know, some financial uh, things for the summer, uh, scholarships for next year. There, there's a whole host. I think there's nine items on there. Um, we're going to deal with three of them here um, this Wednesday with our council coordination committee. And then the rest of them will go to the council to discuss on May 20th. And um, so, you know, those, it's still uh, premature. I, I think the reclassifying institution conversation, honestly, if I looked at their whole list, that's one that just sits, I think, outside. It's a different discussion. I don't think it makes any sense within uh, the context of what they're trying to accomplish, which is trying to create some flexibility, uh, especially financially for schools to have a one-year opportunity to uh, relax some attendance restrictions and relax some sports sponsorship and scheduling issues and things. And those are very different to me than dealing with a reclassifying school. So I think we'll still have that conversation. It, it kind of got uh, kicked off till June. And so I think that will still happen uh, probably outside of some of these other discussions. All right, Craig, anything else? Busy man, you're a busy <laughs> My man. Goodness. Just... Seven hours on the phone uh, with anybody <laughs> is uh, wow. Um, well, and by the way, nice look going after the uh, Pat McAfee sleeveless with uh, during the auction. <laughs> yeah, well. Yeah, I, uh, my my wife was uh, rather embarrassed, but my entire staff loved it, so I'll take it. <laughs> uh, yeah, where the sleeveless Jack's hoodie? What were you trying to sell at that point during the auction? Well, it, it, so it's funny. It goes back to the fall, just real quick. So yeah. you know, Pat Pat came to game day and did his yep. whole shtick, mm-hmm. and then that next week, uh, I grabbed uh, four of our uh, special teams guys, a couple of our kickers and punters and snappers. And we did a little shot. We were all in those uh, cut-off sleeveless uh, hoodies. And uh, we did it in the weight room. And then uh, kicked into uh, thanking Pat for doing the college game day. And then we put his jersey up in our champion's room in the Dykehouse Student Athlete Center. And so we wanted to make sure he was part of our uh, team and he knew he was part of the Jackrabbit family. And that got 100,000 YouTube views. Hmm. Uh, last fall and so then pat has broke out that uh jack's sleeveless hoodie several times um just doing things for himself on twitter and and so it's become kind of part of the the uh, deal and so we let off the auction with a college game day montage of clips and then pat sent us a a minute 12 uh kind of welcome video and Mm. uh, it was it was classic it was so good it was so pat and so then i just decided that was an appropriate time to break out the sleeveless hoodie and open up the auction (laughs) so that's how so that's how it started okay you did the wow factor right away good for you yeah i came out of the gates uh, strong i snuck that thing snuck it out of the house so my wife didn't know and uh (laughs) Uh, I would say she was uh, less than impressed uh, that I pulled that off, probably mostly because of my tan lines. But <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think we're all in that boat. Either. Yeah. 
Uh, well, Kay, congratulations on the auction, and thanks for all the work you're doing, and uh, we really appreciate your time considering all that. No, hey, anytime. I told you guys I'm glad to come on and uh, love to talk about these things. I think they're interesting. They're complex. Yes. They take more than just a quick radio segment. So if we got to do this a few more times, I'm up for it. All right. Thanks, Justin. Thanks. Justin. All right, John. Thanks, Craig. All right. Justin Sell, Athletic Director at South Dakota State. Mark Ovenden will join us next. Our big talker on Friday, AAA Twins Baseball to Sioux Falls. Uh, how possible is it? How well would it do? Uh, Tom Garrity, the owner of the Canaries, joins us at 5 with the you know perspective from the team that's in town right now. But uh, Marco next, thumbs up, thumbs down, once again focusing on the last dance with Jordan and the Bulls from last night at 4 o'clock here on Fox Sports 98.1, AM 1230, KWSN.com. Follow the show, respond to the show, vote in our polls, and get the latest sports news on Twitter. Go to twitter.com slash KWSN Sports.